Time now for Kings Talk. Oh, it's sported between the pads. Where you, the listeners, call in with your comments and questions after every Kings game. Tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 877-KINGS-20. That's 877-KINGS-20. We'll also take a look at the stars of the game, game highlights, and the out-of-town scoreboard. It's time for Kings Talk, right here on the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. You're listening to Kings Talk. I'm coming to you from the Nick Nixon Broadcast Center on the upper concourse of Crypto.com Arena. Final score here in downtown L.A., your L.A. Kings 1, the Nashville Predators 2. We're taking your questions and comments about the game, the team, and anything else on your mind. Call 877-KINGS-20. That's 877-KINGS-20. Let's go ahead and take a look at the three stars of the game. From the Nashville Predators in net, UC Saros. Uh, Saros stopped 33 of 34 shots on goal for a 9.71 save percentage in 59 minutes, 52 seconds of ice time. That is your third star of the game. Second star of the game from the LA Kings, uh, not David Riddick or Drew Doughty, but Adrian Kempe. Adrian Kempe, your second star of the game. He had an assist on Drew Doughty's goal. Uh, one assist, one point, minus one in 21 minutes, 51 seconds of ice time. And your first star for the Nashville Predators, uh, Gustav Nyquist. Uh, Nyquist obviously scoring the game-winning goal for the Nashville Predators. Uh, he had one goal, one point, plus one, uh, four shots on goal in 18 minutes, 10 seconds of time. So Ryan O'Reilly with two points, uh, not one of the three stars of the night, David Riddick. Uh, with uh, a tremendous game, I felt, for the L.A. Kings, uh, stopping 31 of 33 shots for a 9.39 save percentage in 57 minutes, 33 seconds time on ice. Those two players not uh, on the three stars of the night for the L.A. Kings. Around the league, um, some bad news. The Edmonton Oilers won their 12th game in a row. They passed the Kings in the Pacific Division standings bumping the Kings into the wild card standings. And because they were playing Nashville, the team directly behind them in the standings, and Nashville won, Kings now find themselves in the second wild card spot uh, as a result of this one night of action in the National Hockey League. Kings fall from the third team in the Pacific Division to the second wild card spot. Uh, we saw some lines jumbled up near the end of the third period. Pierre-Luc Dubois moving up to wing to play alongside Kopitar and Kempe. Um, I saw Quentin Byfield on the ice with uh, Jared Anderson Dolan and uh, Alex LaFerriere, but I thought uh, that's what I saw. But then I'm looking at uh, some things online and seeing that other people saw different things. So uh, we'll start off, Daryl Evans, with a simple question. What was that line uh, once the Kings moved Quentin Byfield off the top line? Who was he skating with? Because I thought I saw him with a few different people. Yeah, there was a lot of different combinations out there, and it's not necessarily they got moved off the first line. Uh, what happened was when he got that injury in, a, in the period, he went to the locker room. He missed about two or three sequences, and that's where Dubois stepped up and played with Kopitar and Kempe. And then in the third period, we saw some shuffling again. It was Anderson Dolan, LaFerriere, and uh, Byfield were on the ice together as a combination. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, with the special teams, the way things were going. Uh, Tom McClellan was looking for a spark, and uh, it really never did come through the course of the game. Uh, the Kings were not able to 
get to sustain pressure in the offensive zone. And now in the last 11 games where the Kings' record is 1-6-4, and four, just 14 goals at even strength. Uh, that's not going to cut it. You know, the only goal they scored tonight comes via the power play. A great shot by Drew Doughty and a great setup by both Kempe and Fiala. But five-on-five, five, uh, it's it's dried up for the Kings. Uh, they're just not getting the looks that they, that they need to get. Now, earlier this morning, Todd McClellan spoke to the media, and I believe it was you that asked about the morning skate, lack of uh, morning skate this morning. Maybe I've got that wrong, but... Don McClellan answered that uh, the coaching staff felt that the team needed uh, a dead morning off to get some pop, some jump in the lineup. I felt, uh, and Zach Dooley echoed my sentiments, at the end of the first period, I felt like we were seeing that. By the end of the third period, I felt I saw some tired legs out there. Yeah, in the third period, I thought Nashville did a good job at making the Kings, uh, you know, play tired. Uh, Nashville's a big physical team. Uh, they out hit the Kings. I think it was almost a margin of two to one uh, through the course of the hockey game. Not sure whether that uh, changed up much in the latter part of the third period, but uh, they, they, when they had a chance, they finished their checks. And you know they knew the situation with the Kings coming in. They know the Kings were on a long road trip. They know it's the first game coming back. Every team goes through when you come back home. It's a it's a it's a tough game. Um, you know Nashville was well prepared, and Nashville the last 13 games in the road, their record is 10 two and one. Uh, that's an impressive record. That goes back uh, to the latter part of uh, around Thanksgiving there in November. So give them their marks for you know for what they've done uh, in the last uh, 30 games against the Kings. Nashville has uh, had the Kings number. They've got uh, points in uh, their the record is 26 and four over those ga- over those uh, over those games. So uh, you know Kings are going to have to find a way. They got a couple of more with the Predators yet, but more importantly, it's the game 48 hours from now against the New York Rangers that the Kings have to find a way to uh, you know to get themselves on, on the right side of things. It's not going to get any easier. The Rangers got beat tonight in Vegas, so they're going to look to get back on track, and uh, they're going to get two desperate hockey clubs coming together here on Saturday night. Daryl Evans joining me, Jesse Cohen on Kings Talk. We want to hear your questions, comments, thoughts on the team and anything else. 877-KINGS-20, 877-KINGS-20. Andy from Laguna Niguel has a question about the return of Victor Arvidsson. Andy, are you with us? Yeah. Hey, Jesse. Uh, great, great show. I'm the first time calling in this year. I have called in to Nick and Daryl plenty of times in the previous years, but uh, I think you're doing a great job, and I love it. I love the, all the Kings men. But, yes, um, I hear, I mean, a couple things. I, I want to guess, yes, I, I would love to see Victor A back. He hasn't, uh, we haven't seen him all year, right? And, and he was one of my favorites. I thought he, he had a nice spark. But in uh, about, beyond that, though, um, I mean, yes, what is it? The four um, points in, in the four overtime games, but then for, for the last 10 or 11 were, one six and four and, and uh what was when Edmonton was struggling at the beginning of the year and Woodcroft was canned, um, is this kind of along the same lines where now we gotta you know, this justifies we have to do something and, and maybe we get rid of Todd and, and let Heller run the ship or I, I don't know, I'm just I, I I hate that thought. I don't wanna think we have to do that, but I'm starting to think Man, we got something's got to happen more than just taking off a morning skate, or I don't know what. Is, I guess those are my my two thoughts calling in. But yeah, just kind of a frustrating feeling at night. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my comment, question, concern. <laughs> Daryl, I'm going to let you take the second one. I'll deal with Arvidsson when you're done. All right. Uh, well, I think when you know when you look at it. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of frustration going on right now. You know, you, you talk about the record. You mentioned at one six and four. 
Uh, I mentioned just before that uh, 14 regular strength goals or even strength goals uh, over that period of time. Let's face it, the, you know, they have not forgotten how to play the game. Um, you know, it's uh, they're still the same team that they were in the early part of the season when they had the, all the success. You know, the teams have made some adjustments. The Kings, you know, put themselves, uh, uh, you know, up top of the league there, and they drew a lot of attention around from everybody. And the other teams now have made adjustments as to how to play against the Kings. Now it's the Kings' responsibility to make their adjustments. Uh, you know, and one thing that, you know, siding with the coaches that over this month in particular, like the last, you know, basically the last four weeks or so, and it's not going to get any better for the next uh basically three weeks or so, Kings aren't going to get any quality practice time. So they're not going to get a chance to, uh, you know, go over a lot of things on the ice. Uh, they're trying to, you know, conserve a lot of energy right now uh, for the games. Uh, that's not an excuse. Every team goes through it. But when you're going through a little bit of a valley, uh, it just seems to take its toll on you a little bit more. Um, you know, do they need to, you know, make some changes in with regards to the way they approach the game offensively? Uh, I think as individuals, uh, you know, they've created opportunities. They have not finished with the uh, with the uh, success rate that they had in the early part of the season. Uh, tonight, you know, after tonight's game, you got Grundstrom, who's got no goals in his last 23. Kaliev, no goals in his last 16. Kopitar now with no goals in his last 10. Uh, you know, there's just too many guys that are dry right now, and it's five on five. There's just no goals coming. So, uh, you know, these guys didn't forget how to play the game, uh, you know, a lot of people, you can sit there, you can point your finger at the coach, uh, you know, that he's, he's not getting anything. But, you know, why does that change so drastically in basically two and a half, three weeks? Uh, uh, you know, they're still the same team. They're still the same coaching staff with the same message, and everything was working fine earlier. So uh, this is where, you know, the players themselves, they have to take a little bit upon themselves, and, and they've got to right the ship. Uh, nobody's feeling sorry for them right now. Nobody felt sorry for the Edmonton Oilers when they got off to a horrendous start. But that group internally in the locker room, you know, you, you look at each other, you draw from each other, and, you know, there might be some, you know, some heated uh, words exchanged between, you know, the players, and uh, that, that's what you got to do. You got The big thing is you got to figure it out. I mean, there's, you know, there's 40 hockey games left. I mean, we're, you know, we're sitting here on January the 18th. This isn't, uh, you know, last week of the season where you've, you know, you've put yourself at a position where you mathematically can't get in. Uh, the Kings right now still hold down a wild card spot. They've got games in hand on teams. Uh, they can, they can, uh, they can write the ship. We know what they're capable of doing. They just have to do it. Sorry, to that point, Daryl um, and Andy. Sorry to cut you off there, because um, I want to address the Arvidsson uh, issue that you brought up. Um, we heard from both Todd McClellan and Rob Blake this morning that uh, Arvidsson was skating today. He has been apparently skating for a while. It sounds like his uh, progress is on pace, maybe even a little bit ahead of schedule and that he'll be back, it sounded like, either just before the All-Star break or just after the All-Star break. The reason I think it's important, particularly in light of what Daryl was saying, is that one of the other things that Todd McClellan spoke about this morning, and we played it uh, on the pregame show, a clip of him running down the lines and why there are limited options available to them from their perspective as far as tweaking the lines. Um, Moore and Deneau, they like very much as a pair. Kevin Fiala and Deneau and Trevor Moore have been playing very well as a line. Um, Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe and Quentin Byfield, as Todd McClellan said, have been generating uh, chances but not scoring on them. And then he talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex Laferriere. And, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was brought in to play center. We saw him shift to the wing a bit tonight. But generally speaking, 
you know, the whole point of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade was to create depth down the middle. So you're not going to be playing Kopitar and Deneau and PLD in an ideal world on the same line. Then you've got to pair your different players with complementary pieces. So you've got you have limited flexibility from my perspective, at least from what the coaching staff wants to do or what they like to do. Um, Victor Arvidsson's return, if nothing else, Daryl, would give them a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, he's definitely a glue player. He's going to bring some guys together. Uh, a lot like Trevor Moore, he draws guys into the battle. And, uh, you know, when that line with Moore, Deneau, and, uh, and Arvidsson were intact, I mean, they were a menace to play against, especially down below the hash marks. All three players just constantly in motion, taking the puck to the net. He plays, you know, with a chip. He, he, he just, you know, works extremely hard. He's an aggressive type of player. Uh, because of the experience that he has, he knows how to finish. He's willing to go to the hard areas. They could use a little bit of that, uh, you know, that sandpaper type in the offensive zone right now. Uh, but let's face it, that's not coming in the immediate future. And the immediate future right now is for the Kings. They've got three games on this homestand. They've got three games on the road before the uh, before that break comes, before the All-Star break. And they've, they've got to figure it out because uh, if they continue to keep, uh, you know, spiraling downward, uh, it's going to be ugly coming out of it, regardless who you put in the lineup. So, uh, you know, again, they've got to, as a group, the guys that are in place right now, uh, whether or not tomorrow, um, you know, they'll have a practice tomorrow. And uh, if there's some line combination changes, uh, we're going to see them tomorrow. Uh, maybe they might be looking for a little spark in that regard. But uh, each individual right now uh, has to take a little bit of ownership. And, you know, when you go on the ice, it's, uh, you, you, again, they're sometimes making, you know, one too many passes out there. They've got to get pucks to the net. You look at the goal that was scored by Nyquist, uh, and that proved to be the game-winning goal in the second period. Simple play from Shen back at the blue line, just snaps the puck towards the net. Riddick looked like he was trying to push it out of harm's way and ended up pushing it back through the slot area. But that's where you get goals from. There's got to be guys hanging in that area. And the Kings have not done enough of that consistently over this 11-game span. The other day when they put up five in Carolina, they had a little bit of that in their game, and they just need to get back to that. Uh, right now there's no confidence on this hockey club, and it's very easily taken away from a team. Uh, and they did a great job to earn the confidence that they had had. You know, so they've got, they've got to get back to it. They've got to remember that feeling that they have. They've got to remember the things that they did. But most importantly, it didn't come easy. It came through hard work. And when this team is at its best, they check well. When they check, that's when the opportunities come on the other side of things. Right now, they're not checking as cleanly as they did in the early part of the year, so they're spending more time in the defensive zone. And then when they do go on the attack, sometimes there's not a lot of a win left in the sails because they've spent so much time chasing the puck around in their own zone. So uh, they're just they're they're just just disjointed right now. They're not connected, and that has to turn. Andy, I appreciate the call. Um, Steve from Tahunga, appreciate you calling back after the drop. Are you still with us? Yeah, yeah, still here. How you doing tonight, Steve? Oh, could be better. <laughs> sure. Um, so last, last time we talked was uh, right before the road trip, and I was hopeful to, uh, you know, that I think we were all hopeful it would be a, a good trip. Um, but I've been reflecting with a few people, and I don't think I've ever seen a king or any team kind of almost, they haven't collapsed. It's almost like a collapse. Um, kind of forget how to play um, the way the way they have. And I know Daryl just said it's not like they did forget, uh, but it, it sure feels like it. They 
like Daryl just alluded to, they don't seem to be checking, um, you know, to get their chance. Mind-boggling because it seems to be like a switch flip, and here we are. And I, I haven't seen this in the 30 years I've been a Kings fan. You know, I, I think, you know, and, and what you're saying there, it like when you look at this 11-game period, and in a lot of the games, the majority of the games for that fact, the Kings are in a position to win those games. But unlike the first, let's say, 25 games of the season or 24, you know, 23 games of the season when things went really well, the Kings played a more complete 60-minute game. In the last couple few weeks, there's been lapses in the game. And when the lapses happen, the opposition's taken advantage of those chances. And for sometimes they've been able to put up like in Detroit when they had uh, multiple goals and you know within a minute or two minutes uh, Dallas did it the other day uh, they've had a couple of those periods you know we'll face it but it's not like the Kings have gone out and played a real bad game where you say oh my god you know the penalty kill is not doing this the power play is not doing that you know five on five where the majority of the game is being played right now is where the Kings are you know having their biggest issues uh, and it's individual things. It's not necessarily structure things defensively. Uh, you know, individuals sometimes trying to do too much. You get caught in the wrong spot. And they haven't been able to, uh, you know, compensate for those. In the early part of the year, uh, you know, maybe they were able to outscore some of their mistakes. But right now with the puck not going in the net and a lot of one-goal games over this period, you know, the Kings went through a stretch there where, you know, they played seven games and uh, six of them were decided by one goal. So, uh, those go- those games can go either way, but the Kings have to, you know, they have to get over that hump. I mean, again, this is this is a two-one game they're in tonight, um, but it seemed like they were further away than that two-one game. But they're still within one shot, so they're hanging around, and they can't be content with that. They've they've got to be the team. They're too good a hockey club. They've got too good a personnel. They're too well coached, too well managed. Uh, in order to have the results that they're getting, but they've they've got to work through it. Uh, this isn't the fir- you know the first time it's happened, and believe me, it won't be the last time it happened. Hopefully, it'll be the last time we see it this year. But you know, every team goes through it. But you know, as a group, this is where you have to pull together, and uh, you've you, you've got to you know challenge all the doubters that you know they feel you know you need a major shakeup. That group, what's in that locker room, they're capable of getting the job done. Now, just go out there and get it done. Uh, Daryl, one thing that's sort of been puzzling me and and troubling me is that every time I go to look at, you know, I'm looking for some sort of smoking gun. I'm looking for well, the this, you know, the penalty kill is bad or high danger chances are bad or whatever. Every time I look into it, it always seems like there's no one area that is a huge regression that explains it all. It's just everywhere up and down throughout the lineup, all the situations. There's just little you know, when they were started that season off you know, in the first 21 games, they were leading the league in goals and leading the league in goals against. Well, now they're seventh in goals against. It's not terrible. It's not bad. Nope, not at all. And goals for, they're not leading the league, but they're, you know, they're more than, I can't remember what I saw, but, you know, it's not not 32nd in the league or anything. Yep. Um, Cam Talbot started the season leading the league, you know, leading the league in uh, save percentage goals against. Now his save percentage is 906 or something like that. Uh, again, not awful, but just these little incremental things and then what we wind up seeing is a 2 to 1 loss. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, chipping away uh, li- little parts. Uh, you know, it's like that game when you, you know, you go to Chuck E. Cheese and you see, uh, you know, you're patching, uh, you're knocking down the uh, the groundhogs there. You know, you plug one hole and then all of a sudden there's a leak somewhere else. And they haven't been able to put it all together, uh, you, know, you know, and Todd and, and Rob said it earlier today too, uh, you know, it's one line's going, another line's going. But in the early part of the year, Kings were known for that four-line mentality they had. And because of that, the minutes were distributed more evenly. Uh, they were getting contributions throughout their lineup. You know, I talked about the statistics in the, on, the, on the fourth line. Uh, they're not getting the, you know, the scoring from the bottom six that they got early on. And when you, when you don't get that, you put too much pressure upon your top guys. And, you know, guys like Kopitar and, you know, Deneau, uh, Moore, Fiala, Kempe, you know, even Byfield. I, mean, I know Byfield's a young guy. But, you know, when you're constantly just, you know, up, up, up against it uh, with that desperation and urgency, it wears on you. And then it challenges you mentally. Uh, again, the Kings have lost their swagger. They don't have the confidence that they had early on. And they, they've got to gain that back. And once they gain that back, they'll be the hockey club that we saw in the early part of the year. Uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played. Um, yeah, this one, you know, this one stings. You know, this last two, three weeks has, has really been, you know, a, a sting for them. And, uh, you know, you can't look around the standings right now. Uh, you know, the Kings know where they are. They, you know, they look at those standings every day. In their locker room, those things are posted up every day, and they know where the opposition is. But it doesn't matter what the opposition does. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter if a team's won 20 in a row or they've lost 20 in a row. Kings have to take care of their own business. And taking care of their own business right now, all that matters is the game against the New York Rangers on Saturday night. Two teams that just lost their, you know, their last game. Uh, Rangers tonight in Vegas got beat 5-1, and Kings got beat 2-1. So the Kings should be more acclimated. They should be more rested. They'll have a chance to practice tomorrow uh, and you know, be able to discuss a few things on ice. But execution, they've got to execute that game plan that the coaching staff will put in place on Saturday night. All right, I'm reluctant to make this next call, but Jacob from Studio City, how are you doing tonight, Jacob? Uh, it's actually Bobby from Orange County. Jacob put me up to it. Oh, um, all right, Jesse, Bobby. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Jesse, you're doing a great job. I mean, Thank honestly, you, Robbie. I appreciate it. A long time, no see. It's been a long time. Well, Jesse, listen, if the Kings play on the ice was as consistent as your cadence, we would honestly be in first place. But I, well, have I, I appreciate that, you. Bobby. <laughs> so, first thing, is the reality of our situation that the Kings were not as good as their winning streak, that they're not as bad as this losing streak. They're essentially an average to above average team, and Rob Blake's tenure as general manager for the last six-plus years has similarly been average, building nothing that can actually compete for the Cup. And then my second question, which is more controversial, I think, while it's undisputed, Kopitar, he's a fantastic hockey player, that doesn't necessarily make a great captain. He's not, you know, vapid, but no one is going to mistake him for the hardest-working player on the ice, physical, imposing his will. And I know I'm not being totally fair, but when a player wears the C, that's the guy you rely on to be the one that rallies the boys to rise above the adversity. What do you think? Well, Bobby, I'm, I'm going to tackle that, uh, being a, a player that's been in a locker room with uh, similar situations to this. Uh, Andre Kopitar is a great leader. Uh, you know, just because you don't see him go out and play with the physicality like Dustin Brown did, Andre Kopitar leads in a lot of different ways. In the locker room, when his voice is being s- was spoken, 
the players recognize what he's saying and he gets their attention. He's also a great bridge between the players and the coaching staff. Uh, what he does on the ice, the way that he plays the game, he's not the fastest player, but his hockey IQ is off the charts. You do not play almost 1,400 games in the NHL at the level that he has played at and continue to play at, at with guys that are 10 years younger than you and play exceptionally well. So uh, there, there's no need to be bashing on the captain right now. Uh, he, he's doing a great job, and because he's, they're going, the team's going through a little bit of a rough spell right now, uh, let's not point the finger at him. You talk about the team being an average team under Rob Blake. I disagree with you there because of the growth that they've shown the last couple of few years. The moves that were made to acquire Deneau, Arvidsson, uh, after that they went out and got Kevin Fiala. They now bring in Dubois, uh, England back on the blue line. You look at the goaltenders that have been put in place this year after the Kings goaltending uh, you know, department was uh, basically uh, you know, erased from where it was. Uh, you know, the shelves were empty there, so they had to go out. And I think the goaltenders that they brought in have done an admirable job for the Kings. Uh, this is, uh, again, you know, you said the Kings overachieved early on. Uh, you can tell, you know, talk about overachieving or underachieving. I think at the end of the day, when you look at the parity in the NHL, everybody gets the runs. Uh, last year, we saw the Boston Bruins run the entire season and then go out in the playoffs. Uh, they didn't face that type of adversity. The adversity that the Kings are facing right now should and make them a better team once they dig their way out of this. Uh, are they, you know, the top contender for the Stanley Cup right now? You know, you're, you're, you're probably right. No, no they're not. They, they, they know they need to add some pieces, but unfortunately right now with the situation that we're in with the, with the salary cap and, you know, injuries that they have and with regards to the guys like, uh, you know, Arvidsson and things like that, you're limited as to what you can do. So you've got the pieces that you have right now, and you've got to find a way to get the job done. And there's no reason that they can't get the job done. Uh, they're, they're too good a hockey club. They're too good of individuals, and they're a well-coached hockey club. Every rink that we go to, all we hear is about how well, you know, the systems, the defensive systems that they play. Yeah, the last two years they got beat by the Edmonton Oilers, and that was addressed by Rob Blake in the offseason. That's why they went out and acquired Dubois, to be able to have that matchup up the middle of the ice. So the only time you're going to be able to, you know, make that, uh, you know, type of a comment is is if the Kings, you know, were to, let's say, to play the Edmonton Oilers in, in a playoff round again and not find a way to succeed. Uh, but the Kings are built uh, to be able to succeed in a series like that. And uh, now the players have to go out and get the job done. Uh, you know, like again, take it, take you got to take it away from management and coaches right now. Players have to have to own up to it as well. Bobby, I'm uh, sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off. I'm thrilled that you called in, though. Appreciate the kind words, but we've got other people on hold. So, Bobby, thank you. I look forward to seeing you again. Steve from Anaheim, you still with us? Yes. How are you? Thanks for holding on, Steve. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm fine, Jesse. I I, I pity you for having to. Uh, take care of yet another uh, post-game show after another loss. You may be like, oh, my God, here we go again. Um, well, I appreciate that, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's just difficult. Um, you know, I, I think other than the blue line, other than Dowdy, um, I just don't see a lot of production. I know Clark's, you know, they probably want to keep him for another year. Um, but, you know, this guy's put up a lot of points in the HL. Um, I would like to see maybe a little bit of more ice time. I know Spence has been a played as well, but he has had no goals so far this year. Maybe they're coming, but he's half a season. Nothing's happened yet. 
Um, second thing is I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad that um, Copley's off the uh, off the uh, team for the rest basically the rest of the year because I can't imagine um, if he had three goalies and you try to put Riddick back down that someone's not going to take him off the waivers because um, he's played too well. And um, I don't know. I, it's it's been a difficult uh, spell for the Kings. Hopefully they can right the ship, but right now it's uh, they're taking on more water than they are bailing out. Steve, uh, you, you had me going there for a second talking about Copley. Um, I think you mean if, if he had made a return uh, right in order right, to Right, exactly. Room. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Th- I thought you were saying yeah. you were happy. I was no, no, say, no, wow, no. That's, cold, that's, that's cold-blooded, Steve. <laughs> you know, Steve, and with no, no, regards no, no, no. to uh, to Brand Clark, you know, the unfortunate thing is Clark earned the opportunity to come up with what he's done down in the American Hockey League, leading all defensemen in scoring, tied for third in scoring amongst all skaters down there. Uh, you know, excelling in every element of the game. Uh, and when he come up here, the unfortunate thing is when he come here, had he come, let's say, you know, six weeks before when the Kings were at their peak playing their best hockey, that transition probably would have been a little bit more seamless. But he comes into an environment where basically nobody is scoring goals. You know, I don't know if you were listening to the show earlier or not or Nick and I on the broadcast. Kings have scored 14 even-strength goals over the last, you know, 11 games. And, you know, he's not going to come up and he's going to be a goal scorer in the NHL. He's a guy that sets guys up and help, you know, help guys, uh, you know, create some great chances Uh, because of, you know, Dowdy. He's probably not going to get the primary spot on the top power play. So uh, that's why he was in Ontario and, you know, continues to keep growing. Uh, He's going to continue to keep getting in the lineup. He'll get his chance. And once he gets there, he's eventually going to be here and going to have a great career for a long time. He's uh, he's just too good a hockey player. But uh, I think he just comes in into an unfortunate situation right now. So we're not able to really see him at his best uh, to be able to make an impact on the games. And that's you know, to be able to create the offense that we know he can bring to the table. I want to go ahead and throw out something on top of that, um, Daryl, because he, I think Brant Clark is also dealing with a similar thing that Fagamo is dealing with, that Pierre-Luc Dubois dealt with, that even Quentin Byfield at times dealt with, which is when you have a young player with a bunch of hype and a track record like a Brant Clark, right, putting up all those points in the AHL, well, he put up all those points playing on their top power play unit, yep. playing on their first pair. He put all the points up in the CHL, playing the top power play unit top pair he comes into la he's not getting power play time maybe he got a little bit of power play yeah. time but second unit and he's on the second pair um he's not out there with kopitar and fiala and kempe he's not out there quarterbacking that first power play so expectations i think have to be tempered and you know we heard todd or excuse me rob blake this morning speak about pierre luc dubois and his even strength uh scoring per 60 right and if you look it up it's on pace with um his career most of the guys in the team but ice time matters and especially for young players, you can't bring them up, throw them on the fourth line and expect them or set third pair, whatever it may be, and expect them to replicate what they did at lower levels. No, it's it's very difficult. Uh, you know, very few players do that. And a lot of times, you know, it'll be players that are playing on teams that, uh, you know, don't have, uh, you know, as, as high of expectations coming into the season. Uh, you know, let's say they, their shelves are clean. They don't have veteran players. The Kings still are in a window right now with guys like Kopitar, Dowdy, uh, Trevor Lewis coming back. That uh, you know that that's why they've added the middle uh, middle core players 
uh, you know, in that age group, guys like you know Kempe, who's now coming into you know the, the prime of his career. You know, Dubois, Fiala, uh, when Dubois, uh, uh, pardon me, Dano and Arvidsson were added. Uh, you know, they were added in their you know mid 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 twenties. Uh, you know, so you're you're bringing guys in that you can grow with your team. So the expectations are a little bit uh, you know different from a young player like him. Uh, you know what what he's done down in Ontario has given the organization a really good chance to look at. Uh, you know what uh, you know what the future looks like for him, uh, as he's done at every level. He continues to keep taking that next step, and eventually he's going to take that next step in the NHL as well. Uh, a couple of other guys that you know their names came up today uh, in conversation with uh, with Rob Blake were uh, guys like Turcotte and Akil Thomas that you know they're playing some good hockey down there as well. And you know these guys are are looking for an opportunity to play, but you don't want to put it upon your young guys to go in and have to carry a hockey club. Or to be to be the leaders, uh, you know, let them grow, let them come into the hockey team. Uh, we saw a whole cast of those guys uh, grow with the Kings, being guys like Jonathan Quick, Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar, uh, Dustin Brown. You know, they were all young players at one time when they were 18 years old. The organization didn't throw the you know the rest of the team on their shoulders and tell them to carry the team. They let them grow, and then when the time come, those guys were ready to flourish and take charge. And that's eventually what will happen with guys like Brant Clark. Steve, appreciate the call. Jennifer and Eddie, are you with us still? Yes. yes. Hi. I hope you guys aren't driving down San Diego again. No, we're at home. <laughs> all right, perfect. How are you guys doing today? We're good. How are you? I'm doing all right, all things concerned. Yeah. Right? I know. We. I wish we would have got that win tonight, but Sorrows just had their number, and, yeah, it was an awesome game, but. Very, very sad. <laughs> well, Daryl, let me let me ask you a question about goaltending because um, I'm going to go back in the memory banks here. Dominic Hasek, obviously a tremendous goaltender, but I used to get really annoyed because when I would watch teams play against him, after, I don't know, let's say 10 minutes in the game, if he had a couple of those slinky saves that he would make, he'd be flopping around and he'd be stymieing people. And then all of a sudden, before you knew it, guys start choking up on their sticks. All of a sudden, they're trying to make that extra pass. And for the next 50 minutes of the game, they're beating themselves, and he's getting credit for playing an unbelievable 60 minutes. And listen, I'm not trying to take away from Dominic Kaczyk. He was obviously unbelievable. But the reason I ask is that the Kings' shooting percentage is down during this bad stretch. So how much of that is in games like this, the goaltender having their number, and how much of this is the Kings get a couple chances early, don't capitalize, and then the, the – the doubt starts to creep in. Well, there, there's definitely doubt, you know, and I, I've said, uh, you know, a number of times, the Kings are lacking confidence right now. Uh, you know, the, you know, when things are going well, you know, you put the puck at the net and you just seem to do things a split second quicker. And with that little hesitation right now, that's allowing whether it's, you know, Saros tonight, other goaltenders to be able to get in the spot. And I noticed, I even talked about it, you know, you go back in the early part when things started to turn for the Kings uh, in the wrong direction. Like when they were in Vegas, Vegas set a franchise best uh, 34 block shots in that game against the Kings. And then two nights later, I think the Kings had 28 shots blocked against them. That tells me that you're playing just a little bit slow. The opposition is anticipating and they're getting into the lanes. Well, the same thing is to be said with a goaltender. You know, when you look at a goaltender, and, you know, if you can get to a goalie early, you know, sometimes you get the upper hand on him. But right now, Saros is a, you know, he's a proven goaltender. He's an experienced goaltender. Uh, he's got some swagger to his game. And this is a team that now is 10-2-1 in their last 13 games on the road. They've got a lot of confidence. They believe, uh, you know, with the team that they have that, you know, they can get the job done. And they also know 
Nashville did tonight coming in that they're playing against a team in the Kings that are struggling. So if they can get the mental edge on the Kings, and that's a big part of the game. Uh, you know, it, every, every team goes through it. But if you can win that mental game, and sometimes a goaltender, you know, even if you make the wrong move, but if you come out at a guy 100 miles an hour, you force him to make a perfect play, and he's not capable of doing it, you look like a hero. And the opposition right now, uh, you know, the opposition goaltenders have, uh, you know, have, have looked better probably than, you know, than uh, what they should be. Uh, the Kings should be scoring more goals. Their, their expect, expected goals are higher than what, what they should be. They've had opportunities. Sometimes they've elected not to shoot. Sometimes uh, they've tried to make one extra pass. And that's uh, part of responsibility as well. Like making a pass, you can say, oh, I was trying to set up somebody else. But sometimes it's your responsibility if you're on a two-on-one to put the puck on the net. You've got, you know, you've got the puck in your stick. You're the one dictating. Put the puck on the net. And, and that's just some, you know, you don't have that little bit of confidence to do it. But you, you've got to be a little bit of selfishness there. But you've got to have that confidence in order to do it. And uh, right now, again, that's, that's deflated for the Kings. Jennifer, Eddie, sorry, cut you off there to get my point about Hashik. And uh, your thoughts on uh, who the player of the game for the Kings was? Oh, did we lose Jennifer uh, and Eddie? Oh, no, there they are. I would, I would say Dowdy because I love Dowdy. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he got that, that goal in tonight, so that was pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a uh, – did he score? He scored the last game, right? So it's back-to-back, or was that the previous game? I'm all jumbled up on that road trip, Charles. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a blur. You know, it's a lot of things that you want to for, forget recently. But, uh, yeah, Drew Doughty, you know, with with that goal tonight, it was a great setup, uh, a, an extremely good pass by Fiala across to, to Kempe. And Kempe, such a hard, firm pass. You saw that he went way down low on the shaft of his stick, and he basically put it on a tee for Drew Doughty. And Doughty just walked into it, hammering the puck. Uh, a great execution on the power play. Uh, textbook, the things that you work on all the time. And, you know, Drew Doughty now with 10 goals on the season, uh, you know, continues to lead the NHL in ice time, and he's, he's a big part of uh, this team and will be a big part of the success of this team moving forward. Eddie, uh, Jennifer, I think I've got you guys coming to a game next week. Is that correct? Yes, yes on the we do. All right, excellent. Well, we'll see you against the Buffalo Sabres. Thank you so much for calling in. We're going to take a break here right now. Uh, you're listening to Kings Talk when we come back. Continue to break down tonight's game. Take some more of your calls. Uh, it's the Nashville Predators 2, the LA Kings 1. You're listening to Kings Talk on the LA Kings Audio Network here on iHeartRadio. Now back to Kings Talk. Your post-game reaction to LA Kings hockey. Call 877-KINGS-20 on the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. You're listening to Kings Talk, coming to you from the Nick Nixon Broadcast Center on the upper concourse of Crypto.com Arena. Final score here in downtown L.A., your L.A. Kings 1, the Nashville Predators 2. We read the three stars of the game earlier, uh, two from Nashville, one from L.A. UC Saros in net for the Nashville Predators, your third star of the game. Adrian Kempe, your second star of the game, not Drew Doughty or David Riddick. And the first star of the game from the Nashville Predators, Gustav Nyquist. He, of course, scored the game-winning goal, assisted by former King Luke Shen and Ryan O'Reilly. Only goal from the Kings coming from Drew Doughty in that second period on the power play, and we bring you the highlight of that goal now. Cleared into the corner by Nashville, picked up by Grunstrom, feeds it out to Fiala, left wing, cross ice to Kempe, to Doughty, a blast, and he scores! Good, quick puck movement there by the Kings, and they set up Doughty in the middle. 
And he unloads on UC Soros. The power play goal ties the game at one. And that was Drew Doughty's uh, power play goal in the second period. It tied the game at the time, but Gustav Nyquist scored again for Nashville to give Nashville a 2-1 to lead, which is where the game ended. 2-1, to Nashville uh, overtaking the Kings in the standings. Kings now find themselves in the second wild card spot, uh, one point behind Nashville, but with three games in hand over the Nashville Predators. Daryl Evans joining me on uh, Kings Talk. We take, urge you to call in now because we're going to take another break. And uh, if we don't get any calls when we come back, well, we're going to start wrapping this thing up. 877-KINGS-20, 877-KINGS-20. We're going to take another break here. You're listening to Kings Talk on the LA Kings Audio Network here on iHeartRadio. Now back to Kings Talk. Your post-game reaction to LA Kings hockey. Call 877-KINGS-20 on the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. You're listening to Kings Talk, coming to you from the Nick Nixon Broadcast Center on the upper concourse of Crypto.com Arena. Final score here in downtown LA, your LA Kings 1, the Nashville Predators 2. Uh, Daryl Evans joining me on Kings Talk. Call in now, 877-KINGS-20, 877-KINGS-20. Now, during the game, I had our producer, uh, Jake Warner, pick a random number between 1 and 100. He picked number 53, Daryl, and that uh, corresponds with my list of philosophical quotes. We're still doing this. I know I sprung it on you last time. Oh, gee. Uh, This one uh, is from uh, Paulo Coelho de Souza. He is uh, a Brazilian lyricist and novelist and a member of the Brazilian Academy of Letters since 2002. His 1988 novel, The Alchemist, was an international bestseller, and I only mention that because I've actually read The Alchemist, as it turns out. I don't remember why, but uh, I know I've read it. It's uh, (laughs) a... This sounds dismissive to say, but it's a fun little read. It's sort of a self-reflection novel, sort of a life lessons kind of book. Anyway... The quote is, one is loved because one is loved. No reason is needed for loving. Uh, It's a tough quote to relate to this game, but I'm just going to say this. The L.A. Kings, uh, if you're a fan of the L.A. Kings, uh, you love your team because you love your team. There is no reason. There's no explanation. You don't do it because they play well. You don't do it because they think they're going to win every season because Daryl, as we know, not since the uh, 1970s and the Montreal Canadiens does uh, a team win every year. And uh, we know from fans who are calling in, whether it's uh, fans who want drastic changes made or fans who are frustrated, we know that uh, all the fans love the team, and we appreciate it. No, we do appreciate that. And, uh, again, you know, the fans are, you know, a big part of our game, uh, and they go through the highs and lows just like the players do. Believe me, when you go in that locker room right now, they're not sitting there doing cartwheels and, (laughs) you know, how how unhappy things are. You know, they're going home, and they've got to go home to their families too. And uh, it's miserable for everybody. Nobody likes what's happening right now. And, uh, you know, they know that, you know, they're the ones that have to, you know, to to right the ship. But, uh it's it's easier said than done. Uh, you know, you feel for the guys at times like this, but nobody's feeling sorry for them around the league. Uh, you know, every team is, you know, has gone through it at some point and will go through it at some point. So you you have to work your way through it. And the Kings right now, you know, uh, you know, a couple of days ago when they were in Carolina, they showed some spurts of you know regaining the game that you know we know the Kings are capable of playing and. They showed that in the second period against Dallas the other day where they dominated that period but couldn't put the puck in the net again. And, you know, tonight it wasn't that they had a bad game. It's just that they didn't get a victory. If they win this game 2-1, I don't think too many people are, you know, 
are going to be asking the questions that they're asking tonight after the game. But it's because it's a loss, regardless of how it was, that's where the questions come up. And, uh, you know, the Kings will you know, they'll filter the questions, and they know that, uh, you know, tomorrow the coaches are going to come in and they're going to challenge the players. And uh, that group is, you know, they'll stick together and they'll get it done. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Two thoughts off of that. One, have you ever seen the movie Fever Pitch, the American version? Uh, no, I have not. All right, so Jimmy Fallon plays a Boston Red Sox fan, and the movie's set before the Red Sox finally win the World Series in 2004. Spoilers for anybody who's planning on getting caught up on uh, <laughs> baseball. But uh, it's about a uh, it's about a fan who uh, meets a woman, and they fall in love. But they fall in love during the off season, and she falls in love with non-baseball season version of him, and then the baseball season starts, and suddenly he turns into an absolute <laughs> lunatic. Um, and, of course, it's the Boston Red Sox prior to 2004, so everything starts to fall apart. And uh, th- the movie always sort of resonated with me because uh, <clears throat> my dad used to take me to Kings games for years and years and years, and it was rough, right, during the yep. 90s and then during the mid-2000s and, you know, even, you know, the late 2000s. But when a team does finally win, uh, it's – oftentimes well, it's better if they've faced some adversity, if they've come back from uh, from something rough. And Todd McClellan kind of addressed that in one of the questions that was asked of him. I can't remember if it was today or earlier this week. Um, I don't think that he necessarily acknowledged that it feels better <laughs> to win after losing. But uh, he and I think Andre Kopitar also this past week talked about the fact that going through stretches can sometimes – be beneficial for a team yeah and you, you don't know that until you go through it and you've worked your way through it uh you know that 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 seems like it's so far down you know the, the the tunnel right now they can't even see that right now but you know i think you know again because of the parity that we have in you know not only our game but all professional sports now with the you know the playing field being so even uh you know you, you have to credit your opposition and Everybody's out there trying to win each and every night. It's you know not that anybody uh, you know is is trying any harder or not trying any harder than, than the other team on a given night, but I think because where the Kings are right now, their expectations are greater, the greatest that they've been since they've won their Stanley Cups. Uh, you know to to get back to that you know to that level where they were at. So uh, that's where the, I think the disappointment has has grown over this last couple of weeks is because the expectations are so high. If it would have come in, uh, you know, like where the Kings were seven, eight years ago, uh, you know, uh, you know, when they were kind of going through that phase where, you know, guys were getting moved in and out, you know, yeah, you sit there and you don't like the losing, of course, and things like that, but you understand it a little bit better right now. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is everybody's frustrated. Players, fans, management, coaches, everybody's frustrated. So, uh, you know, stick together, get the job done. Again, you should be cheering for, you know, the team that you're cheering for. Uh, you know, through the good times and the bad times. And right now, it's one of those bad times. So the good days are ahead. Kevin from Simi Valley, thanks for calling in. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for uh, you know, taking my call. Um, I was wondering if you guys think there's any moves that could be made, possibly. Um, I don't know with the salary cap situation and all that, but, uh, uh, you know, like Kaliev maybe uh, substitute, take him out for a game or two and put Fogimo in? Uh, that is about the only move, Kevin, that I can really think of at this point. Ton McClellan, Rob Blake were both asked about it this morning at the media availability, and everybody, Daryl, I felt was pretty upfront about the fact that uh, 
the the moves really aren't there unfortunately the phrase was used you know this is the team we've got and we've got to find a way to get the most we can out of the group we have yeah and uh, you know you mentioned you know Fagumo and you know to you know for him he's playing his best hockey right now uh you know he's 20 goals down in the American Hockey League I think it's nine power play goals and with a Kings team that is lacking offense right now you know everybody say you know how come he's you know he's not in there well one thing and you know one of the reasons he hasn't even had a chance to practice with the team they haven't even had a practice yet uh since he's been recalled so that might be a little factor of it uh i would not be surprised if we did see him uh as early as uh, saturday uh because he'll get a chance to work out uh you know with the team tomorrow and you know get on a line and not that uh you know things have changed a lot system wise and things like that but uh subtle little moves like that uh you know can happen uh, from from game to game and and we'll see how, uh, you know, whether the coaching staff and management elect to put him in on uh, on Saturday. Kevin, just out of curiosity, yeah. other than a Kaliev uh, or Fogamo change, I mean, Kaliev might not be the player that comes out for Fogamo if he comes in. But uh, what kind of moves are you looking for okay. out of curiosity, Kev? Well, I, I really think that uh, Frank Clark, as good as he is offensively, I think he needs to stay and work, work some more with his defensive game and his toughness uh, down the American League. I mean, that's just something I've observed. I think, you know, it'd be better for him. Uh, he's, you know, we, we all know that he's great. It's his offensive, uh, you, know, you know, the way he plays offensively. But, I, uh, you know, I think defensively he needs, he needs some work. Well, I mean, he'll, he'll continue to. I mean, that's a, definitely an area that, uh, you know, that he'll continue to work on growing on, uh, you know, from yeah. some of the things that he, you know, that he, can control or that part of me that he can't control. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get stronger. He's, he's going to put some, he's going to put some meat on, uh, uh, you know, he is uh, yeah. with the, you know, with the staff of uh, the nutritionists, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the training, the, the training staff, you know, they're giving them all the pointers. It's just time's going to take its, you know, it's just got to take its course. You can't sit there and make a, you know, a 19 year old player, you know, 25 overnight uh, you know you, you've got to go through you got to go through all those learning curves and he's got to make his you know his his uh you know mistakes in the nhl and cut his teeth at the nhl he's got to get used to playing at the pace in the nhl a lot of people probably thought when he stepped in the american league at the beginning of the year he'd be challenged there but as he's done in every level that he's played he'll f- he finds a way and this is a chance for him he's played a few games here this week and he's, he's had a chance to see where he's at the unfortunate thing is he hasn't come up on a time when the Kings are playing their best hockey. Had he come up when the Kings were doing really well at the early part of the year, you probably wouldn't be asking that question right now. Right. Well, Kevin, thank I you. appreciate the uh, – thank you, guys. Uh, Jesse, both, uh, and uh, Daryl, thank you, guys. Appreciate, uh, appreciate your support, young man. Thanks for calling in, Kevin. Daryl, before we uh, wrap up tonight, though, I do want to sort of ask a question because it's two or three times now you've mentioned that it Are you going to call in? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, let me get on the phone right now. Um, you've mentioned two or three times that if a younger player were called up at a different point in the season when the Kings were doing well, it would be easier to integrate them in. Um, I know I know the easy answer, which is, well, you, why would you call a player up when the King, when the team is rolling? But, but it does sort of represent a situation where the Kings might be burning the candle at both ends. If you're only calling up young players – to fill in when the team is struggling, you're sort of hamstringing not only the player but also the team because now you're taking the the only players they really have left at this point to to step in in times when the team is struggling. You're sort of tying an arm behind your back. 
Well, you know, th- like different times, you know, things will happen. Like you look at uh, Laferriere, for instance. Uh, you know, the opportunity he got when uh, Arbison goes down. Uh, it give them a good chance, uh, you know, to be able to take a look at, you know, where he is and, and you know, what his, uh, uh, you know, near potential is right now, you know, his early potential, let's say. Uh, you know, we still, actually, you know, we're not going to know five years from now where he's at, you know, until he's had a chance to play a couple of hundred games. But uh, definitely they've learned a lot about him. We've seen some huge growth in Quentin Byfield's game. Jordan Spence has taken his game to a different level, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Brent Clark, let's say, at training camp, you know, he got hurt in training camp, so he didn't make the trip to Australia with the team. He probably would have been on that roster, and maybe Jordan Spence wouldn't have had a chance to start with the team. So, you know, things happen for different reasons. I think the NHL now, even though it is a 23-man roster, uh, 20 guys play for the course of a game, I think you need at least 30 players to be able to play an NHL season. Uh, you know, whether you want to call it load management, uh, you know, injuries, everybody's banged up, dinged up a little bit. It's such a demanding game now. Uh, you, you, need, you need that type of depth. So as a young player, you don't want to get frustrated. Your opportunity is going to come. And be it, it might only be for five or ten games maybe in a season. Maybe it only might be two or three games. But you have to make the best of it because, uh, you know, those are the things that are going to be remembered when the next time comes to get a call-up that, uh, hey, he played really well for a couple of games, even though it was only a couple of games. And until you do it uh, on a consistent basis, that's when you earn a job in the NHL. And there's a lot of guys that go up and down in the NHL because they can't perform. Look at Andre Kopitar's consistency over his career. Uh, he's been the same player his entire career from day one to today. That's going to do it for this edition of Kings Talk, your final score tonight at Crypto.com Arena. Your LA Kings won the Nashville Predators 2. LA Kings hockey returns to iHeartRadio. Saturday night as your L.A. Kings take on the New York Rangers at Crypto.com Arena here in downtown L.A. Pre-game show will begin at 7 p.m. Pacific, and puck drop is scheduled at 7.30 here on the L.A. Kings Audio Network. You've been listening to L.A. Kings Hockey for Nick Nixon, Jim Fox, or excuse me, Nick Nixon, Daryl Evans, Zach Dooley, Carlin Bave, Steve from Tahunga, Andy from Laguna, Bobby posing as Jacob, Steve from Anaheim, Jennifer and Andy from Fontana, and Kevin from Simi Valley. Of course, our on-site producer, Jake Warner, and our network producer, Jeff Cabot. I'm Jesse Cohen. Enjoy the rest of your evening, Kings fans. We'll see you Saturday night. Shoots! Hit the post! Score! On the rebound! You've been listening to Kings Talk along the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Follow the Kings all season long wherever you are. Downloading. With the LA Kings iHeart Audio Network. Download the iHeart app for free. And join us next time for the excitement of LA Kings hockey.